0: The world's crazy right now. Today is the 11th of November. It is Veterans Day in the United States, uh, which commemorates the end of the Great War. But more importantly than that, today is the Feast of St. Martin. And today is when Lent, uh, sorry, Lent, Advent actually starts. All right? Uh, well, it used to. And I'm going to talk about the history of Advent a little bit. I'm going to give you just a couple nuggets of good news in this crazy world that we live in. This is the first time I'm doing a Living the Faith podcast live. I'm so glad that you are with me. Let's get started. This is the Living the Faith Podcast. used to do these every week. I already talked about Advent about a year ago, almost to the day, with Joe, where we did our first show on Advent called Make Advent Great Again. Now it's time to keep Advent great. And so I'm going to touch on a couple of the things that we touched on last year, but I'm also going to give you some new information as well. I told you in the intro that the Feast of St. Martin, which is today, the 11th of November, is the day in which Advent traditionally began. That is true. Um, we know this because St. Gregory of Tours, in his book, on The History of the Franks, he talks about Advent. It begins with Martin Mess, and that is today, and it goes for 40 days. But as we have Advent now, it's just four weeks, which is less than 40 days, which is fine. Holy Mother Church gives us that, and one of the ways that we can look at the four weeks of Advent is that each week represents a thousand years, the four thousand years that the Jewish people had to wait for the coming of the Messiah. So four weeks, four thousand years, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for our Lord to come. Um, That seems to make a lot of sense to me, and there are some things that we can do in our families that I I just want to touch on a few things. This is not going to be one of those two-hour podcasts. This is going to be very short, hopefully useful, and communicate a few of the things that we've learned along the way in our journey as a Catholic family and give you something that's positive. Look, if you want to watch somebody who's talking about uh, a a Catholic pundit who's telling you that Trump is going to win or lose or whatever, um, you can can switch this off and go do that. What I want to talk about today, though, is just comparing it to current events and touching on current events. Can you imagine a people that are unified behind the idea that for 4,000 years they are the chosen people of God, that they will bring forth a Messiah. That's real national unity. What what unites us together as Americans or in elsewhere in the English-speaking world is um, specious compared to those kinds of roots. So I would contend to you, ladies and gentlemen, that it's more important to us that we be Catholic than that we be Republicans or patriots. Okay, Feast of St. Martin – Martin, miss. I told you this. St. Gregory of Tours actually quotes one of his predecessors, Bishop of Tours, France, St. Perpetuus. And St. Perpetuus uh, talks about how on the Feast of St. Martin, which is today, Advent began. Now, Advent was kept in a variety of ways and it went through a long history. And I don't want to bore you with the history because I want to get straight into the traditions of Advent. But some of the history of Advent is really interesting because what you need to know. Is that it hasn't really been that well defined for a long time. There was a period of time in which the lady kept the feast of Ad, uh, the, the period of Advent. There was a period of time where it sort of collapsed down, collapsed down into um, sort of a monastic thing, and it was only uh, kept in monastic lifestyle. Uh, then uh, Saint Charles Borromeo came along, bishop of Milan, Italy. And he said, oh, no, no, guess what? This year, you people, the laity, you're going to observe this as well. This isn't just for monks. And so a rigid schedule of fasting was kept Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, a period of expectation, a period of longing for our Lord. There are uh, some liturgical changes in the period of Advent as well, which you can expect to see when uh, Advent, the four-week version of Advent begins in uh, just a couple weeks. But I thought it was really interesting, and I wanted to come live to you today on the Feast of St. Martin because truly our patrimony begins today. And so even if you're not going to start your Advent traditions today, even if you're not going to do some of the St. Martin's things that you could be doing today, like roasting a goose and all that, you could at least begin thinking about Advent, and that's hopefully what we can do as we rebuild Christendom, uh, and and as we reconstitute some of these lost traditions, that we start to do that together. So I wanted to go live today. Uh, I don't have I don't have a bunch of visuals to show you. I don't have anything inspirational in terms of images or anything like that. I just want to have a conversation with you. That's why I'm live. I am going to take your questions at the end and react to it. So this is the first time, I think in a long time, that the Living the Faith podcast is live. Um okay so like I was telling you St Charles Borromeo he brought it out to the masses he enjoined the lay people to partake in the ancient history of advent some of those practices which I already told you include fasting and then it was really codified by a later pope Pope Benedict the 14th who really is one of the holy popes that we look to especially for traditional things he he's one of the one of the holy pontiffs who has Really delved into history, and somebody that Dom Garam jay the author of the Liturgical Year, looks to for inspiration in uh, in unearthing our uh, our ancient traditions. So I'm happy to be talking to you today on the Feast of Saint Martin, and what and um, and to be helping you to at least think about um, about your your Advent journey as we are about forty three days out from Christmas right now, which is when Advent used to begin, 43 days out, so that there could be a a solid 40-day period of observing this Catholic tradition. Uh, Katie just wished me a happy Veterans Day. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Katie, and right back at you. And happy Veterans Day to all of the veterans that are out there that are watching this or that are your family members or your friends. Please send this. Video to them in my regards to all of them. By the way, quick detour on Veterans Day. This is instituted on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month to commemorate the end of the Great War. Not World War II, World War I. And so we remember in a special way, Blessed Karl of Austria, a saint in heaven, a literal saint in heaven who is a head of state and who led his people, the the Austro-Hungarian Empire, through the First World War. Of course, it should be noted that the United States fought the Austro-Hungarians, but that's a complicated saga because we really were just fighting the Germans and Blessed Karl of Austria, who tried to avert World War Two, World War One, tried to bring peace, tried to end the war, uh, was brought along because of his alliance with the with the Germans. So, the Germans are in schism today, uh, ecclesi- uh, uh, in, in an ecclesiastical sense, and unfortunately, it was because of the Germans uh, that World War One happened. But we don't have to talk about that right now. What we do need to talk about, I got eight things that I want to talk to you about. Okay, eight things. First is music. A couple of these are do's and don'ts during Advent. And a lot of people don't know these things. And I got to tell you, I was shocked when I first found out about a bunch of these things too. Like number one, did you know that you don't sing Christmas carols during Advent? Now, this is like revolutionary because if you've ever gone to a grocery store or to a department store any time, like the day after Thanksgiving, the day, I mean, Thanksgiving night, practically, you're, you're bombarded with Christmas tunes. But this is improper. This is not proper. What is proper is to be singing Advent music. And one of the things that I noted last year when Joe was on the program is that, you know, all of us are familiar with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, but that's pretty much where it begins and ends in terms of our knowledge of Advent music. Did you know that there's a whole treasure trove of Advent music that's available? And I can't I can't recommend enough the sisters up in Gower, Missouri, uh, the Benedictines, Queen of Mary, who put out an album, and uh, you can probably listen to the album for free. It might be on YouTube. I know for sure if you if you subscribe to Amazon or any of the other subs- subscription services, Spotify, it's it's there. You can listen. You can listen to the ad, true Advent music sung by the angelic voices of the Benedictines up in Gower, Missouri. I know a couple of those sisters and their families and uh, good families, good girls, um, incredible music. Let's, let's, let's make this year the year that we don't listen to Christmas tunes because it is traditional. Uh, and some families did it differently. Like some families in Bavaria, for example, would start singing Christmas carols at a certain time on Christmas Eve, Christmas Christmas would sort of begin at, let's say, noon or two o'clock on Christmas Eve. Um, some families, like the Von Trapp family, would finally sing Christmas carols as they're walking to Midnight Mass. But we should not be singing Joy to the World until at least our butts are in our pews if we have Midnight Mass this year, which if you watch some of my other work, you will believe that I don't believe that we're gonna have midnight mass this year, but if you can find your way to a midnight mass when you when you are seated at midnight Mass, that's when you sing Christmas carols. And that is when the beautiful tradition of Christmas music begins. Okay, secondly, did you know, ladies and gentlemen, that the season of Christmas, it's not it's 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 not just 12 days. Christmas tide, extends all the way until Candlemas, which is February 2nd. So you get the 12 days of Christmas leading up to Epiphany, and then the entire season of Epiphany from January 6th till February 2nd. So Holy Mother Church today exhorts us for four weeks, representing the 4,000 years that the Jews had to wait for the coming of the Messiah. For four weeks, we we are in a penitential season. The priest is wearing violet, purple uh, vestments, except for I think one of the Sundays he's wearing pink. And some people uh, burn the candles, and I want to talk about candles as as a totally separate subject. But did you know, ladies and gentlemen, that Christmas lasts longer than Advent? The season of Christmas goes from Christmas Eve, Midnight Mass, all the way until February 2nd. So this leads into the second point of decorating the house. Now, some people like to put up Christmas lights on the outside of their house. And I got to tell you in my neighborhood where I live, I got Christmas lights already up right now. It's not even Thanksgiving and we got Christmas lights already up right now. If we lived in a truly Catholic culture, ladies and gentlemen, you would not be bombarded. First of all, you'd never be bombarded with Mariah Carey if we lived in a truly Catholic culture, but you would not be bombarded with joy to the world. while you're just trying to do your Christmas shopping during Advent, you would hear, "O come, O come, Emmanuel, or the like. Um, the second thing is that you would not see Christmas decorations, especially Christmas lights, until Christmas starts. Because our period of Christmas is totally different than the secular world's period of Christmas. Our period of Christmas begins at midnight mass and extends all the way through until February 2nd. Quick story for you. When I lived in Texas, I had a pretty ruthless HOA, Homeowners Association. Do you have any experience with HOAs, Homeowners Associations? Um, so I'm trying to observe the liturgical year at my house. And I'm not really big on Christmas lights on the houses anyway, just because it's just not my thing. But some of you are, that's fine. I had a wreath on my door, a wreath, just a winter wreath, green, solid. Didn't have lights on it, didn't even have Christmas decorations on it, just a winter wreath on my door. And I put it on uh, during, during the Christmas season, and I, wanted, I intended to keep it up until February 2nd. I got a letter from the HOA, and the HOA told me I'm not allowed to have Christmas decorations after, drumroll drum roll please, January 1st. They had arbitrarily decided that Christmas ended at the new year, uh, that the winter equinox was uh, something that the HOA could actually decide. Um, and, we, and we had a big battle. I had to write them some nasty letters. I even had an attorney friend of mine slap one of my letters on his letterhead so that it looked more official. Ultimately, I won. But this is something – these are the small battles. These are the small battles that we should be willing to fight – if you like Christmas lights, put your Christmas lights up but keep them up till February 2nd. This is one little way that we can evangelize our culture and take it back for 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 Catholicism. Um okay, so we've covered the time period of what Christmas is, when it begins, when it ends. We've talked about not listening to Christmas music. We've talked a little bit about Christmas decorations that leads into another topic uh, of what you can do in terms of Christmas decorations in your house during the advent season and this is a beautiful tradition called the creche the creche the christmas creche uh is sort of like have you ever seen somebody uh, one of some of these sets where you've got like you got like a little manger and you got the holy family maybe an angel and the shepherd boy you got you got our lord in a crib and and maybe like a cow uh, and a, and a goat or whatever. And they're just like laying and a lamb for sure laying down at his feet. That's part of the crash. That's part of the crash. But I will tell you um, that in Europe, the crash is something that is taken very, very seriously. And um, I think, especially by the Germans, I think, especially in, in, uh, in, in Catholic Germany, Bavaria headquarters of which is Munich. Um, these are like the Christmas people as Joe noted last year. And I can't disagree with that. Although I think the Austrians are pretty Christmassy as well, but these, you can get very ornate with these things. They can be big. They can, they can cover, you know, uh, what, what amounts to city blocks you can have, you know, the, the three, the three Holy Kings, Already seeing the star and maybe, or or looking in the sky, looking for the star. Maybe the angel is appearing to the shepherd boy. You can have all this stuff happening, and then what we like to do is sort of as Advent is approaching and as it's coming to its conclusion, we have the we have the three kings uh, up, headed towards our Lord. They arrive at Epiphany at our Lord, and so you can you can kind of set these things up. Um, and the creche is something that you can do in your house, and you can, if you just Google Kresch, creche, C-R-E-C-H-E, uh, there's probably an accent there on one of the E's, you can find some beautiful um, some, some beautiful examples of, of how to do that. But this is this is a way that you can be drawn into the mysteries of Advent. I think now is a good time to talk about the mysteries of Advent, and I just want to give you a quick reading from Dom guerin The Liturgical Year. Um, By the way, did you know that the Catholic year begins at Advent? It begins. Now, our secular calendar, whatever it's, you know, the the year starts at at New Year's, uh, January 1st. So December is the last month of the year uh, in the secular calendar. But in the ecclesiastical calendar, it's the first month of the year. Our year starts over. And and we're starting over. We're about to start over. If we were living about a thousand years ago... Our year would start today, today on the feast of Saint Martin. That's why I'm live with you right now, talking about the crash and Christmas music and Christmas lights and how you should uh, observe the Advent season uh, with a period of longing and preparation. Um, but I wanted I want to talk a little bit about just the mystery of Advent. A priest can do this much better than I can, and you should you should you should try to find some meditations on Advent. There's a really good book actually that Angelus Press puts out with daily meditations uh, that takes you all the way through Advent. Um, If I had had better foresight, I would have brought it downstairs to the studios and I could have showed it to you, but maybe I'll put it into the show notes after the fact. Um, But St. Bernard talks about the three comings of our Lord, the three. Okay. In the first coming says St. Bernard, he comes in the flesh and in weakness, in the second, he comes in spirit and in power. In the third, he comes in glory and in majesty. And the second coming is the means whereby we pass from the first to the third. Okay? So he's, he's referring to the first coming of our Lord as he comes in the flesh and in weakness, in the weakness of a baby, of a baby that is dependent upon his mother, our lady, our blessed mother, for the sustenance of his earthly life, of his physical body. The second coming is, of course, the age in which we live now, uh, where we have the Church and the Eucharist, and then his third coming, which is often referred to uh, eschatologically as his second coming, when he comes in power and glory uh, at the end of the world. Uh, St. Bernard breaks it up into three comings. So what we're, what, what we're really anticipating... What we're preparing for is the first coming. And so a couple of these other traditions that you can implement in your house right now, starting now, starting today, speak to the first coming of our Lord, the preparation of his physical coming where he comes in meekness and weakness of a baby. One of those things that we can draw from from Latin America, and this is the fifth thing I want to talk about today very quickly, is called the pasados. Los pasados, the Holy Nights, they're called in other places in the world. Um, they're observed in other places in the world. They uh, they coincide with the O antiphons, which is a deliberate topic that I'm going to talk about towards the end. But the the, the pasados are like uh, reenactments of the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, where our Lord is in utero, in the Immaculate Womb of Our Lady, and she is sometimes uh, she is sometimes. Seen as riding on a donkey, and they're knocking on doors. And this is something that you can do in um, you can do in your neighborhood. It's done in the Latin American community, um, and it is done. It's it's even done in parts of America. My understanding: parts of South Texas, uh, Southern California, Southern uh, Arizona, where it's like a procession, and it's it's very often led by a priest. But if you can't find a priest to do it, maybe a collection of people could get together and do it themselves um we have seen and and if you if you follow my other live stream playlist where i talk more about current events um and less about traditional stuff like this um i've covered very um enthusiastically the procession of hearts that happened down in atlanta georgia and i think that's a model that can be replicated throughout uh the country throughout the world maybe we can start we can continue in that vein by having uh, Pesados within our own communities. So here's how it works. Uh, you have a procession. You have the holy family, uh, often uh, reenacted by children. You can get a real donkey if you can. Uh, place a, a young lady dressed up as our lady um, on the donkey. And you knock on all the neighbor's doors in your in your neighborhood. And you're looking for a place. And there are a couple traditional uh, songs that you can sing uh, there's one in spanish that we sang we sang last year and it's very very beautiful and it it just kind of goes back and forth so the people on the inside of the house uh, are are taking turns singing back and forth with the people who are knocking so the procession is knocking and then the people on the inside are saying no there's no room here you know keep going and on the final day on the golden nights of the of the posados um the holy family does gain entry and there is a little um there is a little reception there and um, and and people can sort of celebrate the fact that Christmas is almost upon us, and the Holy Family has finally found a place to rest their head and to bring forth our Lord. Okay, I talked a little bit about fasting. Um, I told you that at least according to St. Gregory of Tours, when he wrote his book called uh, The History of the Franks, um, that he talked about how the laity would fast on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And so on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, now this is, this is where we need to have a, a deliberate topic about fasting. And I'm not going to go into a lot of grave detail about fasting just because that is really, it it deserves its own deliberate podcast. And I don't want to get so, uh, so in the weeds right now. Um, but, um, Fasting is something that we don't really do in the new 1983 code. I mean, almost it, it, it's almost true that if you basically kind of skip a meal and feel the pangs of hunger for a few hours in a day, that that counts as a fast. Um, it goes without saying that our forefathers in the faith have done much better. They have done uh, significantly better than that, and that there are different rubrics. If you look at the 1917 code of what a fast is, uh, versus uh, versus what a what the 1983 code says, versus uh, what was kept in between, it can get very confusing. And then when you look east versus west, right? East versus west, that's a whole different thing as well. So. Suffice it to say, if you if you can get your hands on the copy of the liturgical year and you could read Dom Guernsey, he goes into detail about the fact that, uh, you know, Eastern Catholics are famous for their fasting. They're famous for their ability to abstain from uh, from from flesh meat and other things uh, in a penitential way. And uh, they go to extremes, I think. Um, that are, that uh, look, sometimes we need extremes in our lives to set us on the right path. So difference between Lent and Advent though, in Lent, Eastern Catholics would give up even oil, even eggs, even wine in Advent. They can keep those three things. Uh, so they would so it's, it's look, nobody is telling you what to do anymore, right? It's almost a free for all in that, in the 1983 code. um, Nobody is telling you that your Advent has to start today. I'm not telling you that your Advent has to start today. I think that we should at least be mindful of the fact that Advent, for a long time, did start today, and we should get our minds right. And I have a beautiful tradition to tell you about after this, but suffice it to say, if you can adopt some sort of regimen, some fasting regimen, you would be astounded. I have been astounded at how... Advantageous fasting is to the uh, to the spiritual life, and especially for men, especially for men. Men need to understand temperance when we can and and the best way to cultivate temperance is through fasting. And when you can when you cultivate the cardinal virtue of temperance, and I did a podcast just a couple months ago about the four cardinal virtues. temperance is among them. When you can cultivate temperance, You'd be surprised. Look, giving, you wouldn't think that giving up some food and being hungry can help you with the Sixth and Ninth Commandments, men, looking at you, purity, custody of the eyes. But those two things are extremely connected. And if you want to know more about that, watch that podcast called The Four Cardinal Virtues. Okay, let me talk to you about the Christmas letters, the letters to St. Nicholas. Um, the letters to St. Nicholas, this is something that you need to start today. Trust me, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles that are watching right now. This is the most beautiful thing. If you haven't been writing letters, if your children haven't been writing letters to St. Nicholas, this is something that must be done. Okay. So this, this is, uh, let's talk about this. So here's what happens. In the RTF family, in our household, the children, starting today on the Feast of St. Martin, they start compiling their letters that they're going to write to St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas's feast day is the 6th of December. St. Nicholas comes to our house, and he picks up these letters. And he reads them, and he responds to them. And he leaves coins in their shoes. The children leave their shoes out, and he leaves golden coins chocolate coins in their shoes, and he le- and he responds to their letters. So what the children are asking for are things like, dear St. Nicholas, here's what I would like for Christmas. Here's what I would like for the family for Christmas. How can I obtain these these goods? What do I need to work on? Here's how I think my year has been. Can you give me some advice? St. Nicholas responds with a handwritten letter to each child. It's and at, the way he responds to our family might be different from how he responds to other families out there. But the way he responds to our family is that it's it's one long handwritten letter, letter on beautiful paper uh, in which he one by one addresses all the children. And this is where St. Nicholas says, okay, to you, child one, this is what I observed from you this year. You grew in this virtue you did not grow in this other virtue. Here is what I would like you to do during Advent. I've, he, acknowledges, he always acknowledges receipt of the letters from the children. I, can, I have acknowledged your receipt of your letter. I can see that you are asking for a sword, a shield, whatever. I would be very pleased to, to grant your request, but the only way that I can grant this request is if I see growth in this virtue... And here's how you can obtain it. And here are the specific things that you need to do. Uh, you, f- fourth-born child, you need to stop crying so much. You need to be stop stop being so whiny. You need to obey your parents. Whatever it is, this is a perfect opportunity for you to have a saint in heaven. Bring about a correction to your children from an objective, saintly point of view, from a heavenly point of view. So the children leave these letters out. They start, they start writing the letters today on the Feast of St. Martin. They start articulating what they want to ask. They leave out a cookie for St. Nicholas if you want. He takes a bite every year. He loves cookies. This is the true St. Nicholas. This is not the false Santa Claus concepts that Joe and I killed last year. So when that happens, uh, when that happens, you're, you'd be surprised. And during the, during the period of Advent in the RTF house, Mr. Mike and Mrs. RTF, the first lady of RTF, do you know what we do? We refer back to that letter all the time. We read it to the children about once a week. We say, what did St. Nicholas tell you you need to be doing right now? Child number two, child number five. What did St. Nicholas tell you? And you'd be surprised how effective that is. Okay. So you got to get the letters going. I want to talk about candles. If you were to just Google, um, Google image, and of course we all know that Google is going to always present us with the best information that we're looking for. Right? If you were to just Google image search for the candles, um, you would be presented with three violet, one rose. And everyone would tell you that that's the Advent candle. That's the Advent wreath. Um, you know, a lot of you know that you pray the Hail and Blessed Be uh, prayer, this prayer of St. Andrew, uh, 15 times a day during Advent, five times before each meal as a family. That's a really good thing to do. We have one that's framed and we just kind of bring it out during Advent. So it's it's very easy. We stick it uh, by the by the. Breakfast table, and we we move it to the dinner table when we're having dinner at the dinner table versus the breakfast table, whatever it is, and we say it five times, you know, before the meal blessing, and and um, that way you get your fifteen prayers in a day. A lot of people like to light a candle for they have four candles, one for each week, four weeks, four thousand years the Jews waited for the coming of our Savior. But those candles are always portrayed, always portrayed, um, as three lavender and one rose. I I just want to tell you, it has been relayed to me and I have confirmed it with some people, but the history of it is obscure enough to where I can't pronounce on it. So I'm not telling you that that is a Lutheran invention. I'm just telling you that some people in Germany do claim that that is a Lutheran invention uh, to have the three lavender candles, and the one rose candle, and that the true Catholics in Bavaria that resisted Martin Luther, so the German Catholics in Bavaria that, that resisted Protestantism, uh, all kept four red candles during the four weeks of Advent. Now, if you start Google searching for this, you will find evidence both ways. You will find evidence that says that it is definitely Lutheran. You will find people who, who claim that it is definitely not Lutheran. I leave it to you, dear people, to decide for for us, um we're gonna do, we're doing the red candle thing because i if there's if there's even a possibility that I'm cooperating with uh, the heretic of heretics, the person who brought eight million souls into hell uh, while he was alive on earth, um that I, I don't even want I don't even want I don't even want to risk that I'm cooperating with anything that was invented by that man. But I could be wrong. So it's just out for me personally. It is out of abundance of caution that we just use four red candles. Feel free to disagree. And look, I'm, again, I'm not I'm not sitting here telling you that you can't have three purple and one rose candle. Okay, if you if that's your thing, do your thing. But do something. Say the same, say the prayer of Saint Andrew 15 times a day, regardless. Um, so that's that. Okay, two more things, and then I'm going to take your questions. Like I said, this is short and sweet. I just I want to just I'm almost shooting from the hip today. I just wanted to get an Advent message out there on the Feast of St. Martin. And I hope that you do find this video helpful. Like the, uh, like the video and share it with your friends. The O Antiphons. Those start on December 17th. Do you know why I can remember that they started on December seventeenth? And the first one is O Sepiencia, which means O Wisdom, because my wife's birthday is December seventeenth, and so every year she she reminds me that I was born on O Wisdom. So, all right, fine, O Wisdom, O sapientiae. Um But the, these the O antiphons are uh, O O Wisdom, O. Uh, it, they're all they're all documented here by uh, Dom Gueranger and if you if you flip to uh, December seventeenth, which happens you know it's right after uh, your uh, right after the Feast of uh, Saint Eusebius, here you are of the great antiphons, the commencements. and uh, there are these these start on the seventeenth and they go all the way to Christmas, and each day is a different one and they all uh, sort of tie together in one beautiful song and they uh spelled they they spell backwards aerocross which i'm not going to tell you what that means because i want you to do the research yourself but when you find out what aerocross means um and how beautiful the liturgy of the church is and how stunningly it is uh it ha- it has been observed for all time um, you're going to be like, wow! I can't believe. Why would they change that? You know, at least keep the O antiphons from December 17th. That's when you know you're in the home stretch. December 17th, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Okay. The other thing that we do to count time, in addition to the O antiphons, and this starts before the O antiphons, is our Jesse Tree. So there are a lot of ways to do the Jesse tree. We do sort of like the kid Jesse tree, because as you know, we have lots of young children. And um, so our Jesse tree sort of it, it, what it is is it's a way to count time uh, as Advent uh, moves along, but it's also a way to learn the lineage, the actual uh, lineage of our Lord. Uh, So it's the tree, it's the Jesse tree starting from, you know, Jesse to prove that our Lord in his bloodline comes from King David. And so, um, I'm going to let you Google that yourself as well, because I just want to tease you with that. If you've never heard of a Jesse tree, if you, if you literally just punch in Jesse tree, you're going to be off to the races and you're going to be finding something. And I wanted to do this video again. I'm going to wrap up my, my prepared comments or semi-prepared comments, and then maybe take your questions if there are any, um, about Advent. Um, I wanted to start it today on the Feast of Saint Martin because as I, as I said at the beginning because we got uh, we got a lot of people joining who didn't watch the beginning Saint Martin's feast day Martin mass today the 11th of November this truly is the beginning of Advent for so much of the history of the church It no longer begins today and that's fine I'm not saying it should begin today but what should begin today for sure in uh, as we link ourselves and unite ourselves to the patrimony of our church and to the and cling to antiquity is what we should be doing in these uncertain times. Um, we should be at least getting our minds right. So take today as the day that you start the letter to St. Nicholas, figure out what AeroCross means, because you're going to like that. And then um, go check out what a Jesse tree is. And you don't have to use Google. You can use some other search engine. I don't know why I always say Google. Everyone says Google. Um, all right. Questions first question from Brendan. As a recent convert to tradition, I learned so much from you. Tradition is so beautiful and can't believe we hid our inheritance. Restoring the faith is awesome. Oh, thank you. Not a question, but a comment. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Keep the videos coming. Um, okay. Katie says that yes, on the Jesse tree, Eric and Susan Salmons have a great set of ornaments and a book that they wrote and designed, and it's been enjoyable to use. Um, I know who you're talking about. I, um, I I trust Mr. Sammons, and I think that's a good idea. Go check that out. Um, check out the Jesse tree. Um, Linda says the red candles would make sense. Sounds similar to the tradition of red Christmas trees to represent the blood Christ would shed for us. I'm glad you brought up Christmas trees, Linda, because I totally, I I, look, I wrote all my notes on the, I I had this thing printed out from, from work and I jotted down some notes on the back of this piece of paper. This is how I just wanted to get something out to you today. Um, I didn't talk about Christmas tree. you know what we, I just want to tell you what we do. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but this is a way to save money and be in touch with, uh, with antiquity and our tradition. We don't buy the Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving. Because how is that tree going to last until February 2nd? I already told you, Candlemas, February 2nd is the official conclusion of Christmas Tide. So, do you want your tree to be dead and brown and a fire hazard on February 2nd? No, you don't. So we buy our Christmas tree as late in the season as possible. I think one year I even bought it on the 23rd of December. They can be harder to find, and I like to cut it down myself and that way it's as fresh as possible um, if If that's available to you, great uh otherwise, the later you buy your tree, the better off the better off you are because prices come down um. The, the, the people who buy all the Christmas trees in America who decorate them, you know, for basically for Thanksgiving, some people do they're all buying them right now. The Prices come down because uh, the number of buyers goes down, but let's in keep again, this, the, the world has their calendar. According to them, December is the last month of the year. According to them, Christmas starts in two weeks. Uh, according to them, Mariah Carey is the appropriate way to ring in the holiday season. We are like, no, our, our liturgical year just begins in December. Christmas begins at midnight mass and it goes all the way till February 2nd. So we are out of sync with the world. Let's let's live that out. Let's visually live out the fact that we are out of sync with the world. And maybe just maybe if we continue to do this, the world will make the adjustment. Let's be the, let's be the steel ball in the pit of the world's stomach that cannot be digested by the world. Let's bring them along with us. Let's not fall in line with them. So we get the Christmas tree later in the season. We, um, in years past, we had asked St. Nicholas if, um, if he would decorate the tree for us. And in years past, he has done that. But I got to tell you, St. Nicholas gets super busy on Christmas Eve in between midnight mass and the children waking up from midnight mass. So you get home, let's say at two or three in the morning, and then they wake up excited to begin, you know, opening presents or whatever, uh, as early as their little bodies will allow them to wake in between that. St. Nicholas gets very, very busy because he has to visit lots and lots of homes Now he's a saint, and he can buy locate and he can and and he can pass through matter. But for him to decorate the Christmas tree and deliver all the presents to the world and do that for all the families in the world is a little much. So what he did one year is he finally wrote us a letter. Uh, when he delivered his letter on the Feast of St. Nicholas on December 6th. And he said, children, you're old enough now to where I would like you to participate in the decoration of the tree. No longer am I going to do that for you in the wee hours of the morning after midnight mass and before you wake up uh, with my cup of coffee. But I am going to actually ask you to, to do it with your parents. So what we do now is at about noon... On Christmas Eve, we begin decorating the Christmas tree, which heretofore had been pretty sparse. I think in some years we've put purple lights, violet lights on the Christmas tree. And then at noon on Christmas Eve, we take those off and then we put real Christmas lights on and we put all of all the decorations on and all that. Um, sometimes we just sort of use like a, a, a purple ribbon. Uh, we do have some purple, actual purple decorations that, w- that we'll put on like, you know, like the purple Christmas ornaments. So those will come off and then the more beautiful and, and ostentatious ones will come on. Um, these are just ways in which you can. So you can uh, you can actually ask that as today as we're broadcasting on the feast of Saint Martin, the traditional beginning of the season of Advent. You can maybe in your letter, parents, ask one of your children, or you can write a letter to Saint Nicholas, asking his guidance, and maybe he can he can correct you as well, parents. He can he as a saint in heaven, he can come down and say, hey, well, Mr. Smith, Mr. Jones. You did ask me what, how you would like uh, to handle the Christmas tree this year. Here's what I would like you to do. Maybe this year you start with uh, just a couple purple decorations on the tree, um, you know, a few days before Christmas uh, when you get your tree and then the, the purple comes down. And then you and your children, if they're old enough, they help you. Um, and that becomes your family tradition. So ask Pray for guidance and pray to St. Nicholas. One other thing about St. Nicholas, too, and, and a beautiful, large, traditional family gave us this uh, tradition And uh, years ago, and we've been enacting it ever since, is every single night during our family prayers, uh, during the Litany of the Saints portion of our family prayers, I specifically pray to St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas, pray for us, and here's why. I am specifically asking St. Nicholas if he would... Ensure throughout the year that our family would be materially taken care of so that we can have presents on Christmas for our children. Um, look, times are tough right now. COVID, 1984. Great. I said a buzzword. Probably going to get kicked off YouTube. But you know what I'm saying. The pestilence, the pandemic, etc. cetera. Uh, we have record unemployment. We're in a contested election right now. we got a lot of craziness going on out there. A true devotion to St. Nicholas, a saint who pulled no punches, literally pulled no punches, um, really despised heresy, really despised the Arian heresy um, that he would provide for your family and that he would bring the joy of Christmas into your house. That's that's what we pray for year-round. So specifically, I have four saints uh, that I ask for help from every single night. We sort of assign saints to various people, and a lot of times it's their comp- their Baptismal saints, their confirmation saints, saints that we've just have adopted for various people in the family. St. Nicholas has adopted me and I have adopted St. Nicholas. So of the four that I pray uh, for help from every single night in the family litany, one of them is St. Nicholas, and that's for the beauty and the magic, the majesty of Christmas. Okay, a couple more questions, then we'll wrap it up. Oh, Katie, Katie asked about Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh my gosh, Katie. Thank you for bringing her up. I just want to, at this point, say we've done two podcasts about Our Lady of Guadalupe. The very first RTF podcast of all time, number one, podcast number one, before we even had a camera, was about Our Lady of Guadalupe. Such an important saint. So much to unpack there. Did you know that Our Lady of Guadalupe destroyed the Pachamama? She destroyed the Pachamama she crushed the head of the Pachamama. Our Lady Guadalupe is so important to us right now especially when error and um and uh, and evil has crept in to the church, you know, one of our past popes has said that somehow through a crack smoke of satan has entered the church. Well, yeah, more than the smoke I would say at this point. More than the smoke. Our Lady Guadalupe is so important. Uh, she's in December, December 15th, right? Is that right, Katie? So check out the two podcasts on Our Lady Guadalupe. And because my wife is Spanish-speaking, yes, we we do, we do go big on Our Lady Guadalupe. Uh, it's a big day for us. No, it's December 6th or 7th, not the 15th. Well, you guys know. Yeah, Our Lady Guadalupe. Okay. Um, any other comments out there? I know I've got a moderator out there as well kind of calling comments if you want to... Uh, Michael V. If you want to throw a couple questions. Otherwise, it's fine. There's no question. Uh, Tradition is so beautiful. Can't believe you hid our inheritance. Restoring the truth is... Uh, uh, restoring the faith is awesome. Thank you, Brendan. Um, we, we try to be. Okay, uh, Tracy. Tracy is saying for a Jesse tree, we get a tree out of the woods and pull off all the leaves. It has... All of our homemade Jesse tree ornaments on it, the root of Jesse, a few days before Christmas, becomes a live Christmas tree. That's cool. I like that. That's a good idea, Tracy. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Linda says, I live in a separate province from the rest of my family. We usually don't celebrate Christmas until... Sometime during the Christmas octave, exactly as intended. Thank you for saying that, Linda. You don't have Christmas parties before Christmas. You know, during Lent, it's not proper to have social gatherings. It's sort of the same during Advent. It's not quite as strict. The, the fasting, the almsgiving, the prayer, not quite as strict during Advent. You still have the Alleluia during Advent. You don't have it during Lent. During Lent, in some places in the world, they literally take the Alleluia out behind the church and bury it. They bury the Alleluia. That doesn't happen in Advent, okay? It is penitential. Um, The priest is wearing violet or rose. Um, But you're not supposed to have, like, Christmas parties before Christmas. We have a whole season of Christmas. We have the 12 days of Christmas. We have Epiphany. Did you know that Christmas gifts in a lot of the world, for a lot of time in Christendom, were not even exchanged until Epiphany? Epiphany. Because it wasn't until the three kings brought the gifts to our Lord that's the that's the tradition of gift giving. You're giving gifts to our Lord: gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and those have their special meanings. We've talked about Epiphany as well on this channel. You can look that up. So, um, you know, if you want to if you want to be the most traditional family on the block, if it's not a competition, it's really not. This is one thing in Tradville that I can't stand: is oh, we're more Trad than you, or whatever. We've been Trad longer. We have more standing. What? A guy, give me a break. But. If you do want to be the most trad family on the block, you could just give gifts on epiphany skip Christmas gifts and do epiphany gifts or maybe do both or maybe do your big gifts on epiphany or maybe open one present on Christmas and then the rest on epiphany um, anyway check all check all that out Alberto uh, hello to all the skizzies I don't know what that means Alberto actually no I do I do know what that means but uh, that's an inside joke um okay no more questions thank you guys so much thanks for watching what i want to do now is give you a uh, rtf commercial do i have an rtf commercial i'm going to cut to that um consider becoming a patron it is only through the patronage that i can continue this ministry because look this is like a side hobby and it takes a lot of time and i hope that uh, you can find your way to uh maybe supporting rtf in some way and if i can i'm i can't i can't actually find it. So maybe you're not going to get it. Oh, that's a shame. All right. You're not getting. look. It's been a pleasure talking to you today and um, God bless you. Take care.